to be uh, back together this evening on, on Wednesday and uh, opportunity here to study from God's Word. I want to uh, tell you about uh, two special guys we have with us and you'll get to hear from them in a little while. Uh, Brother John Dean. John, how do you say your last name? Mulpiti. Okay. And uh, he's from India and his... Um, his partner tonight, James Gillum. James Gillum, he's from Rogersville. And James is being host to John. John is a preacher in India. And John has a, uh, a connection to uh, our family. His dad was my father-in-law's uh, translator in India for many years. And... Um, so our connection goes goes way back, and we were able to to kind of reconnect uh, this afternoon. And uh, here in a little while, John's going to uh, say a few things about the work in India and extend the invitation uh, to all of us when everybody comes back in. Uh, but right now, we want to get started on our class, and let's um, let's bow for a prayer. Holy Father, thank you for giving us uh, this, this good day. Lord, we know every blessing comes from your mighty hand. We're mindful, Father, of how good you are to us. We're thankful, Lord, for everyday's, uh, everyday blessings such as food, water, and shelter, and transportation, uh, for the protection and care that you provide to us, for the hope that you give us. Lord, we're mindful of our Savior Jesus and the um, wonderful uh, sacrifice that he has made in our behalf. We're thankful for the Holy Word. We're thankful, dear God, for the church. We pray for the church everywhere, Father, for all the servants of the church that meet here and throughout our area and throughout the state and throughout the country and throughout the world, Lord. We pray for... Uh, John Dean and his work in India and we're thankful for the sacrifices that he and his family make uh, in behalf of the gospel and we pray that you bless him Father as he is uh, in the country uh, reporting to different uh, churches we pray that he may be built up and that he may be given the strength that he needs uh, to carry on the work Lord we're mindful and thankful for all of our missionaries wherever they may be and in whatever work uh, they may be involved in. Lord, you know their needs and you know their work, and we pray your richest blessings upon them. Please bless those that have been on our list as being weak or, or sickly or um, those even who have lost loved ones. Lord, we pray your blessings upon them. We now, Father, ask that you would be with all of us this evening in different classes who are that are meeting, that we may be able to glean those things from your holy word that will be beneficial to us, that will cause us, Lord, to be better servants of thine. Lord, we are mindful and grateful for your great love, wherewith you have loved us. Thank you for being merciful to us. Help us, Father, to strive to, strive to be more like your son every day. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to do a, um, 
a few weeks on religious error. And there are several reasons for this. I'll tell you why we're, we're not doing this. We're not doing this to, to be combative. We're not, this is not to be argumentative. Um, but rather, uh, one thing that comes to my, to my mind is there's a lot of confusion in the world. And the gospel is not confusing. Paul said in Ephesians 3, 3 and 4, when you read my my writings, when you read uh, the mystery that I have been um, uh, gifted by, uh, you can understand it. Uh, The reason that there is confusion is because of mistakes, because of misconceptions, because of error uh, that's in the world. James uh, 3, uh, verses 13 and 16 says, where, um, where there is wisdom from below, there's confusion in every evil work. And so if our wisdom is not uh, relying upon God and His Word, there's always going to be confusion. And so our purpose then is to see the gospel plainly and then uh, help relieve the confusion that is caused by mankind. And we look at religious error um, also because the Lord wants us, He charges us to stand for Jesus. Uh, He he wants us to defend the truth, we read in Jude 3, that we need to contend for the faith that was once delivered uh, to the saints. Uh, We need to contend for it and stand up for it and, and defend what the Lord has delivered Uh, to us. When we talk about religious error, we are heeding the warning of Jesus. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Uh, They will appear to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, what are they? Ravening wolves. 1 John 4 says, to test the spirits, uh, to see whether they are of God. For there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. So when we study religious error, we are, we're, we're heeding the warning of Jesus. But mainly what we're trying to do is to be, is to be prepared to help other people. To, to be able to help because we see that, um, uh, that because of the teachings of men, uh, there's error, there, there are misconceptions, there's mistakes that are being made. And so uh, we will start a little bit of study like this uh, this evening. The uh, religious error that we're going to look at, and you've got your worksheet here, is errors made about baptism. Uh, I have never understood the aversion. I've never understood why water baptism is so uh, distasteful to so many in the religious world, but it is. It is. And um, they still make fun of us. I, I heard of an article the other day, and the name of the article was, Can You Get to Heaven with Four Fingers? Can You Get to Heaven with Four Fingers? And it's an article poking fun at us because, you know, we use five fingers. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. 
And the article was poking fun at us because they were, it's contending that yes, you can get to heaven without that fifth finger, without, without baptism. And so um, it is something that's in the religious world, but uh, we're gonna notice uh, on our worksheet here this evening uh, some different ways that people try to get around. What do they say in order to ignore the plain teaching about baptism? Okay. Uh, you know by your reading and by listening and by studying over the years that there is a very strong and solid connection uh, with baptism and the plan of salvation as we read in our New Testaments. But how do people try to get around that? And that we're going to look at four or five of these things, these um, efforts that are made uh, to get around. So let's, let's look at our sheet, and um, I encourage you to, to find you got some more. got more up here, Aaron. Okay, the first um, effort I want to share with you that people use to try to get around uh, water baptism for the forgiveness of sins is to say that baptism, as we find it in the New Testament, was part of the Jewish ceremonial, okay, in our blank here, ceremonial, ceremonial rituals. In other words, um, some feel that baptism is uh, something left over from the law of Moses. Okay. And um, as the law of Moses gradually faded away in New Testament times, then so did baptism. Because baptism was just something that was sort of developed as part of the, the uh, law of Moses. What scripture could be used for that? Well, uh, Hebrews chapter 9 in verse 10 is one that is used for that, where the writer there refers to the different elements and ceremonies of the old law of Moses and mentions their washings, washings. And with the law of Moses, there were several washings. Um, one that I looked up just right quick was Leviticus 11 and 25, where if you touched a, a carcass of, of any dead animal, then you had to wash yourself thoroughly uh, before you could go and present yourself uh, to the Lord. And you know that, that the, the priest and, and the elements that would go into the tabernacle, all those uh, were involved in washings as well. And so some try to contend that baptism is just kind of a, a leftover part of that ceremonial part of the law. And, uh, but then B part here under number one, what does the Bible actually uh, teach? Okay. First of all, it teaches that uh, the old law was, of course, nailed to the cross, Ephesians 2. Let's turn over to Ephesians 2 and uh, quickly look at verse 14 and 15 together. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 14 and 15. Uh, familiar to you, but always good uh, to refer. Refresh ourselves, Ephesians 2. 
Ephesians 2 and, let's see. Looking down to about verse uh, 13. Now in Christ Jesus, ye that were once far off were made nigh in the blood of Christ. Notice blood of Christ real closely there. For he is our peace who made both one, both Jew and Gentile one, and broke down the middle wall of partition, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances that he might make, that he might create, um, he might create in himself of the two, one new man so making peace and might reconcile them both in the one body uh, unto God through the cross, through the cross. So in the cross, uh, at the, at the um, blood of Jesus, this law of commandments, these ordinances were abolished. Okay. The word abolish means uh, to make void, okay. to, to no longer be in uh, effect, to make void. So, uh, that's one thought about these Jewish rituals is to know that they did not uh, linger into the New Testament, but rather at the cross of Jesus, the old law was nailed to the cross. Okay. But let's keep thinking about this for a second. Uh, number two under there of what the Bible teaches, uh, the thought here is that Jesus made baptism a permanent feature a permanent feature of Christianity. Permanent feature of Christianity. Okay. Uh, baptism did not fade away. Um, when did Jesus do this? Well, when he gave the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 19, you recall that, Matthew 28, 19, when he said, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you how long? Always. Always. Until the end of the world. Okay. So there's baptism being made a permanent feature of Jesus' religion. And it would last. The administration, the, the carrying out of making disciples and baptizing them into the name of the Father would, that would last until the end of the world. There would be no, no fading away of this uh, command. Okay, so that's, that's rather plain. That's a very important passage uh, to, to mark in our Bibles and to keep in our, in our minds. Number three here, uh, if no water baptism today, then there's no way of entering the kingdom, right? Because when Jesus talked about water baptism and the new birth, what did he say? John 3, 3 through 5. What did he say? Except you be born of what? Water and the Spirit. You cannot enter into the kingdom. Okay. And so if there's no baptism today, there's no way of getting into the kingdom today. Okay. Now take, our, take your Bibles and turn over with me to Colossians chapter 1 right quick. Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, notice verse 13. Colossians 1, 13. 
says that the Lord deliver us, delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And so if we're not in the kingdom, then we're still in darkness. And if there is no water baptism, there's no way of getting into the kingdom. Because Jesus said, being born of water and the Spirit puts you into the kingdom. If we're not in the kingdom, we're still in darkness. And that makes a very troublesome uh, situation. Okay. And then notice the next um, under that. Uh, if no water baptism today, then uh, you can't be in the one body. The one body. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 13 you remember that says, Paul says, for by one spirit have you all been baptized into one body. One body. Okay. And then you connect that with Ephesians 5 and 23 that says, talks about husbands being the head of the wives, but also Christ is the head of the body, head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. He's the savior of the body. So if there's no water baptism today, if it has faded away, then you can't be in the body. If you're not in the body, you can't be saved by Christ because Christ is the Savior of the body. Okay. And so, of course, this idea of um, the baptism was part of the Jewish ritual or some Jewish ritual, and as the ceremonial part of the old law faded away, then so did the washings, and that would include baptism. That's just not true. The washings of the old tabernacle system uh, do not relate uh, to the baptismal washing of the New Testament. It does not, uh, it does not take that away. And they may, some of those washings may have previewed the coming washing of baptism, but Jesus made it a permanent feature of his religion. Okay. Are any other thoughts about that little effort to try to get around of baptism. Go ahead. I like what you said about the physical and the carnal. The old law was all about the physical, the carnal, which set up the spiritual rebirth in the New Testament. Go ahead. Before a uh, Gentile could become a proselyte Jew, he had to be baptized to be converted. Hmm. He wasn't converted and considered a proselyte Jew until he was baptized. So, in the, so for a proselyte Gentile, to be part of the Jewish. They had to go through a washing. Okay. All right, number two here. Uh, another effort to get around the plain teaching of water baptism is to say, number two here, that um, baptism is a mere symbol of salvation. Is a mere symbol of salvation. That is an outward sign of what? 
What do you hear? Yeah, an outward sign of an inward salvation or an outward sign of an inward grace. So the idea here is that it's baptism mentioned in the New Testament is just a symbol of salvation, not actually bringing salvation, but a symbol of something that has already occurred, an inward an outward sign of what has happened to someone inwardly. The idea is that baptism saves us in a figurative way but not in reality. Okay. And this, this is something that you will run into uh, as you study the Bible with, with different ones. Okay. That baptism symbolizes a salvation that's already occurred uh, in your heart. Okay. Is your salvation Is your salvation based on other people's opinion? Of course it's not. Right. But God knows your heart. God does not need an outward sign of an inward faith. Right, because he knows your heart. So the outward sign then would have to be to people. And your salvation is independent of what people think. Oh, yeah. So the argument makes no sense. Yeah. We're saying the argument on itself doesn't make sense because God knows your heart. And so your outward sign is something you're showing to other people. And so are you relying on other people's opinions for your uh, salvation? Of course, uh, you, don't, you don't want to be doing that. So, but it's a very popular argument. It really, it really is. Uh, but the verse that is used most often is 1 Peter 3 and 21. 1 Peter 3 and 21. And you know what that says, where Peter says, the light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer or appeal unto God for a good conscience. All right. So when it says light figure, our religious friends jump from there and say, see, baptism is a is not a salvation in reality, it's merely just a symbol or figure of what has happened to you. Okay. So let's, let's look at this and see what the Bible teaches. All right, so it's good somewhere to write down, like under number one here, the New Testament plainly teaches that baptism is for, has the purpose of, is for the remission of sins. In other words, baptism is mentioned again and again as something that brings salvation. And so um, we need to have those marked. We need to have them listed in the front of our Bibles. They need to be in our minds as much as possible. But passages like uh, Mark 16, 16, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 2, 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. 1 Peter 3 and, and 21. And uh, Paul's experience, Acts 22, 16, when Ananias said, Now why are you tearing? Arise. Get yourself baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. And so that's the first response is to notice again and again how plainly the New Testament teaches that baptism is for the remission of sins. It's for forgiveness. It is in order to bring salvation. 
Okay, number two here is this. In every New Testament passage where salvation and baptism are mentioned together, baptism always comes before salvation. Okay, so let's repeat that. Wherever in the New Testament you find baptism and salvation in the same context, okay, same verse or couple verses together, baptism it never fails. It always precedes salvation. It always comes before salvation as a condition to be met, as a requirement to be met before salvation is brought into your life. Okay. That's without fail. Right. Now, let's get to 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21 does not say baptism uh, just saves figuratively under number three there at the bottom of the page. 1 Peter 3.21 does not say baptism merely saves or just saves figuratively. And then the next blank is the word comparison. It is a comparison. Okay. 1 Peter 3.21 is a comparison. All right. If you look in 1 Peter 3 and verse 20, the comparison becomes real plain, real clear in that Peter mentions Noah and his family, and they were these eight souls were saved by water. Okay. So, in like figure, okay, in like manner to that, our salvation today involves water. Okay. Now, look on the top of the page on your back, and we'll just fill in these because it helps us to see this on out. Uh, Noah and his family, by means of water, Noah and his family were transported from a world of sin. And you remember that, how sinful the world of Noah was. Every, you know, Genesis 6, 5 and 6 uh, speaks of uh, every imagination of the thoughts were only evil continually. And there was much violence. God wanted to destroy the world. It irritated him. It, it uh, offended him greatly. Uh, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So uh, by means of water, Noah and his family were transported from a world of sin to a cleansed environment. Okay? They came out of the ark and everything was cleansed. The whole, their whole environment was cleansed. Okay? So in like manner, it's a comparison, you see, in like manner, we are transported through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. We are transported from a state or world of guilt because of our sin to a state of forgiveness through Jesus and His blood. That's the comparison right there. By means of water, Noah and his family were brought to their cleansed environment. So also... Not just water itself in our situation, but faith, repentance, confession, water, by means of water, we are brought from a state of guilt, sin, to a state, a world of forgiveness uh, with God. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if any man be in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. New. Okay.
And so that's the idea. It's not, baptism is not a symbol of something. It's the part of the process of God bringing salvation into our lives. It's really a beautiful illustration there from Peter in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. It's a beautiful situation of how that Peter ties that together now uh, for us using the, the times of Noah in our own day. In 1 Peter 1, 22, Peter, Peter writes, Seeing then that you have purified, notice that idea of cleansing, you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. And so in obeying the truth, which involved the water, then their souls were purified. They come out of that, that dirty situation of sin, guilt, and they, God brought them, He brings us through uh, to forgiveness. Okay. So what else um, we might say about this effort through it's a symbolic situation? That baptism is merely a symbol. Okay. You're going to need to get that firmly um, in your hearts to see, see what people say because this is something that's, that's, that's taught on a regular basis. And so is the next one here, number three, uh, as far as trying to get around water baptism for forgiveness. Number three here, that baptism is a work, a human work, a work used to earn one's way to salvation. Okay, this is another one of those things that the religious preachers in our area, around these areas, they teach this all the time, that baptism has to be excluded from the plan of salvation because it's a work, it's a human work, it's a work used to earn one's way to salvation. Therefore, it is excluded from the plan of salvation. Okay. Now, the verse often used is Ephesians 2, familiar to all of us, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. What does that say, Brother Larry? For by grace. Right. Yeah, this not of yourselves. The gift of God, not of works, works lest any man should boast. Okay. So, um, these, these works mentioned by Paul there, not of works, saved not of works. Okay. Our religious friends claim that baptism is part of that situation of works that are not to be done for salvation. And it's really sad, but let's just um, see what the Bible teaches about this. First of all, I want us to notice, number one under B here, that baptism is a command from God himself. And the reference there is Acts 10, 47 and 48, where Peter commanded Cornelius and his household to be baptized. Okay. It's a command. That's, that's a huge ideal, huge ideal. That it's a command from God. Okay, we're not dealing with a suggestion here. Okay. And then for our, our neighbors to come along and classify, think about what's happening here, to come along and classify 
a command from God as something, as a, as a means of earning your way into God's favor is just absolutely uh, uncalled for. It's, it's, it's just wicked. Think about that. God commands us to be baptized. And then a religious leader comes along behind that and says, well, if you obey that command, if you emphasize that command, then you are seeking to earn your way into God's favor. Okay? That's, that's just not at, at all fair to, to the communication that comes from God. It's, it's not, it, it's, it's just evil. Okay? There's, there's no way of justifying uh, that idea. Um, in other words, uh, number two here uh, under that, how is it that doing what God says is somehow earning your way to salvation? And then that's the question that, that you ought to write down somewhere. I didn't come up with that, but it's been passed on to me. How is it that simply doing what God says is somehow or another wrong? How is that wrong? How is, how is that somehow or another disobeying God? How, how is that um, trying to earn your way? How, how else can we show that we want to please our Lord other than by listening to what He says and then seeking to fulfill what He wants me to do? Um, I never have understood that. And, um, but this is the situation. Okay, number three. Uh, the New Testament clearly teaches that baptism is not a human work. It's not a human work. The reference here is, let's turn over to Titus chapter 3. Notice this really plainly. Titus chapter 3. And verse 5. I'm just reading from... Uh, my old American Standard 1901 version, um, just because it flips better. But here's what it says. Um, Salvation, not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves. Okay, salvation doesn't come with that. Salvation doesn't come by works of righteousness, which we did ourselves. In other words, it, salvation doesn't come with works that we create that we have come up with to do, okay? But according to his mercy, he saved us through, notice this, he, Paul's not through, he keeps talking. According to his mercy, he saved us through what? Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, okay? Isn't that really close to what Jesus said in John 3? Verse 5, it says you'd be born of water and the Spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom of God, of heaven. Okay. In other words, he's saying here, you're, you're not saved by any human work, but you're saved according to God's mercy through the washing. What does it mean to regenerate? To bring to life. That's right, Mike. To bring to life. So spiritually speaking, what causes us to be dead? Our sin separated from God. That's right. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Okay. Through the washing, 
faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. Washing. Washing. Ananias told Saul, Why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sin. Through the washing, then we are made alive again. Sin had taken us down to death, and now we're made alive through our obedience. So it's not by human work. All right. And then the next blank we want to fill in. Hmm? Go ahead. So, notice that the, the obedience brings a regeneration, a bringing back to life, and a renewing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, by hearing what the Lord says to us, by hearing what the Spirit has taught us through the Scripture, we learn what to do in depending upon Jesus and His blood, and that renews us, so it regenerates us, but it also renews us, like we were talking about a moment ago. Um, we are a new, we come into a new environment, a cleansed, brand new world. So, and then the next blank here is concerning um, baptism and work. Number four, the New Testament clearly teaches that baptism is a working of God. It is a work. Okay. It's not a human work. It's not a work by by way of someone trying to earn their way into God's favor, but rather it is a working of God. The reference there is Colossians 2 and verse 12. So let's make sure that we have that. We know where that's at. Colossians 2 and verse 12. And uh, let's make sure we know what that, that says in totality. Colossians uh, 2. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, wherein you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So God is doing the work in baptism, true or false? True. Who's doing the work in baptism? God. It's a working of God. It's not us working, okay, we're simply surrendering, we're simply uh, submitting, we're simply trying to do what he asks us to do. We're still, as Titus 3 says, it's, it's coming to us, okay, because of God's mercy. We didn't create this, we didn't, we didn't come up with the plan, we didn't come up with the idea of water, okay, but it's been revealed through the scripture to us, and by responding to it, we're not earning our way, we're just, we're, we're so pleased and thankful that we are willing to do what the Lord would have us to do. Someone else. 
So you're passive in that physical act. It's a great point and passage to, to mark down and write down as well. Brent bringing up John 6, uh, 27, 28, where they asked Jesus, what, must, what can we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe, that you believe. Okay. And Brent's making the same point. If, if baptism is a human work, then so would belief be a human work. But it's the work of God. It's, in other words, it's designed by God. It's created by God for our good. He, he knew how we would need to respond to him. Okay. Now, before we leave this, going back to Ephesians. Okay, and I should have gotten this down on the paper. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. Any man should boast. What does the word save mean? To be forgiven, to be cleansed, right? You could put a lot of words there. To be purified, to be cleansed, to be forgiven. Well, look over in Ephesians 5 and 26. Someone read that for us. Ephesians 5 and 26. Same book. Same writer. What does Ephesians 5 and 26 say? Talking about the church. Read 25 and 26 together, Brother Paul. 25 and 26 together. Husbands loved your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Okay. Sanctify and cleansing the church by the washing of water and the word. <coughs> Sanctify and cleansing would be equal to salvation, to being saved. So we're saved. What are we saved by? Grace, faith, and the washing. In fact, the faith includes the submitting through washing. Very good. So you can see how these passages put in concert together. In concert. They harmonize with each other. And actually, if it was not for the, the teachings of man, this should be just very, very clear uh, to the honest soul. Okay. Now one other here. Uh, some, it's not a, the, the two in the middle are the most popular. They look that it's a symbol and that it's a human work, two and three. Every once in a while you'll run into this one on number four, that baptism of the New Testament is, is actually spirit, Holy Spirit baptism, not water baptism. 
but um, this would be a whole study in and of itself. But to sum it up this way, here's what the Bible teaches. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was given only to certain people. And who are those certain people? <coughs> the apostles. In the household of Cornelius. Okay. And for, it qualified the apostles to be able to teach the, the Word of God and to confirm that Word through uh, various signs. Okay. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit came um, on the apostles' day of Pentecost, came on Saul later because he became an apostle later. And then we read in Acts 10 that it came upon the household of Cornelius, but for a different purpose. And that is to show the world once and for all that the gospel is for both Jew and Gentile. To make it no mis mistake, no mistake, that the Great Commission is to actually be worldwide. Okay. Now, another thing there is that, um, so, baptism of the Holy Spirit was given only to certain people in the New Testament times for certain purposes that we just went over. And could be administered, and this is key, only by who? Nope, 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 nope. Jesus. Only by Jesus. Matthew 3, okay. Matthew 3 teaches that, John teaches that the Holy Spirit, Jesus will do the baptizing of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Man cannot administer a Holy Spirit baptism. Okay. It was to be for certain people at a certain time, for certain purposes. Only by Jesus. But now Jesus gave the Great Commission and told the apostles and us and everybody to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them. The, the baptism of the New Testament for everyone is administered by, by man. As Brother Larry was saying, it's passive act for the one being baptized to be administered uh, by man. Okay. So... The last statement here, baptism for everyone, that is for all sinners, is water baptism. Right. And that's made clear in Acts 8 as Philip is teaching the eunuch. And he begins at that same scripture and talks to him about Jesus, Acts 8, 35. And then later, what does the eunuch say? All right, there it is. The eunuch lets us in on it. Here is water what does hinder me from being baptized? Now, Philip is inspired of God. Okay. Before he came to the eunuch, he was in Samaria preaching and doing all kinds of signs and wonders before the people. He's inspired of God. Okay. If that needed to be corrected, what the eunuch just said, here is water, water, what does hinder me from being baptized? Then Philip would have done the correction, but that's what Philip didn't correct him. He didn't say, no, no, that's not right. You're going to be baptized. You need to be baptized into the Spirit. No, he said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so they both went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Okay. It's just too plain to miss, isn't it? And it takes a lot of outside help to miss it. And so this is one of the religious errors. Uh, that we wanted to discuss. Appreciate your help on this. There's much more we could say about this, of course. There's a whole history of what people have done with baptism. Um, but hopefully this is enough to get us started on. Um, and what I like to do 
is to take notes like this, make sure that they're in my Bible. Two or three in my Bibles, you know. Somehow or another. If you're a phone person and you can put notes in your phone, let's get some notes like this. Let's make sure that our our children, our our youth, our teenagers, our, our ladies, our our wives, our moms, uh, let's make sure that that they get this in their hands. Not, you know, I learned this kind of thing from somebody else. It's not about any of that. It's just about what does the Bible say? What does it teach? 